Welcome to The Spark, a view of innovation in healthcare. I'm Rachel Schreiber, the marketing leader at Avenir Health, and I'm joined by Stuart Hansen, our CEO. Together, we're your hosts, and we'll be diving into conversations with healthcare innovators who are reshaping the industry. Join us as we explore the stories of those really disrupting the norm and creating a better healthcare experience. Get ready to ignite your curiosity and join the conversation on The Spark. Hello, and welcome to The Spark, a view of innovation in healthcare. I'm Rachel Schreiber, your co-host, and in this episode, we're speaking with Dr. John Chellico, System Chief Medical Information Officer for Common Spirit Health, which delivers care across a system of 150 hospitals and more than 1,500 care sites in 24 states. Common Spirit works with close to 25,000 providers and has more than 300,000 inpatient visits and more than 14 million outpatient visits. I'm also joined by Stuart Hansen, CEO of Avenir Health. Thanks, Rachel. Wow, what a great statistical introduction for Dr. Chelico. Thank you for joining the podcast with us and welcome to The Spark. We're really excited to have you join us for today's discussion. I've heard you speak a number of times and it's always been impressive to me, not only the challenges that you've tackled, but now obviously taking that to a system as large as Common Spirit has got to be really exciting. Let's go ahead and jump into it. I think just as context, Dr. Chelico, one of the things we always talk to our guests about is healthcare is a really hard industry to make an impact. I'm a startup founder myself. I tell a lot of startup founders, if you don't have the passion for it, go find another industry. It's way easier almost everywhere else because it is the kinetic energy of the status quo is just great in the healthcare ecosystem. And the system is so complex and the multi-payer, multi-encounter care delivery model all of the transitions that we're trying to go through from a consumerism perspective, AI, new technologies, value-based care, it's pretty daunting, right? We don't have guests without a lot of fortitude on this show, and including obviously yourself, but I'd love to hear just a quick version of what inspired or what sparked your passion to tackle healthcare and stick with it because you've done some amazing things over your career so far. Yeah, definitely. My, my passion for this really starts early on. I was always a, a kid that like noodled on trying to fix things in my house. And that sort of grew to trying to fix things using software and technology and other things. And then so I'm like a software developer in the night, the turn physician in the 1990s. I will say I was a software developer and I had the opportunity to become an EMT early on in high school. Really just saw the pitfalls of healthcare and the opportunities that we could do things a little smarter, a little bit faster, a little bit cleaner, and really had this passion to really follow both a career in healthcare, but a career as a software developer, computer scientist, hardware developer over time. And really that sort of went through all my training and eventually got formally trained in internal medicine and did follow up a fellowship in biomedical informatics. But really that has led me like a career to be a, a chief medical information officer for a number of large organizations, including Bellevue Hospital in New York City, NYU Langone. Medical Center in uh, New York City, but then for the past almost 10 years, I was at Northwell Health, followed by now 20 months into a job at Common Spirit Health on a national level. And that passion just continues every day to solve problems so that we have in front of us in nuanced ways, sometimes with technology, sometimes with new ways of doing things. That is really what wakes me up every morning. And I think you, you say you think of the pivotal moment, but I think the pivotal moment comes every day in the sense that we have another hell to overcome. However, it may be in healthcare these days. Yeah, I think that uh, feels familiar to me. One of the things I fell in love with was the complexity and the ability to really impact people's lives. And like you said, that comes with great responsibility because in healthcare, 
one solution can create a lot of value, but one failure can also cause a data breach or bad care provision or any of those things. So it, it's a heavy responsibility, and, and that, I think, is why a lot of people don't carry that spark forward as aggressively as you have in your career. So congrats. You have to understand the pain and, and experience the pain or overcome it. Yeah. And that, I think, in the last, I'd say, five to 10 years, I think a lot of people have really personalized the administrative side of healthcare because rise of you know, high deductible plans and all of the consumerism initiatives and telehealth, consumers are getting, for better, a lot more engaged in a lot of their healthcare decisions. And the downside of that is they're seeing the bad experiences that result from some of the broken processes and technology debt and complexity of the industry. But I think it, I get inspired by that every day. So it's exciting to hear have someone else on the podcast that gets just as inspired every day with those little challenges as well as the big ones. Of course. So maybe tell us a little bit about some of the ways that your healthcare team at Common Spirit are tackling trying to really make an impact and change how things work at Common Spirit, because there's no shortage of pressures, right? Provider burnout is real. Pressures of the economics of providing healthcare have always been real and are more real today than before. So tell us a little bit about how you guys are moving the needle. Yeah, no, I think one of the biggest challenges, and I think we had, we had spoken about this a little earlier, was we are in a very sort of high revenue, low margin situation in healthcare, yeah. right? I went from Northwell Health, was a, I, I said $15 billion without a penny to spend, and now I'm in an organization with $35 billion without a penny to spend. And I don't take that lightly in the sense that is a major challenge we need to overcome. And at Common Spirit Health, really the forming of what was Dignity Health and Catholic Health Initiatives in 19, and 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Really brought together an opportunity to create economies of scale to overcome and do more with the, the limited resources that we have. And I think that's how we're going about doing it and really understanding, standardizing workflows, standardizing the, the, the vendors we work with, standardizing the, the care that we deliver is whether we can now develop and, and see, develop some economies of scale and allow us to, again, do things with the limited resources we have. And maybe do things a little bit different than the resources we have. One of the things that comes to mind is our connection centers are answer the phones from any of our doctor's offices across the country. We're not 100% there with every single doctor's office, but now all that work that needs to be done in, 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 in a doctor's office doesn't need to be done by the person that's sitting behind the desk that's trying to interact with our patients on a day-to-day basis. Many of the sort of prescription refills, rescheduling of appointments, and other things can be offloaded to a team that's centralized that can actually see things across the board, maybe get patients to the right place and understand that, but spend the right amount of time doing the right things for the patient. And I think doing that more in a centralized fashion actually helps a global scale in the organization. As we look at sort of 14 million outpatient visits, how do you interact with how that personalization for the patient, but at the same time, make them feel like they're still talking to their personal doctor's office that they're doing that. And, and those are the sort of the, the things we have to overcome in understanding that. But it's technology in the background that 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 can really tell us, hey, this is the patient calling, this is their caller ID, this is all their information, pull up all their EHR information and understand, hey, I know you're calling today to schedule or reschedule an appointment or do a medication refill. But your doctor, last time you had a conversation with it, asked that you, you asked us that you we had a conversation about your colonoscopy. We'd be interested in scheduling that that visit with a gastroenterologist or for your cancer prevention or other things. So the ability to, again, do things smarter in a much more cleaner way were things that we probably couldn't even do a one-on-one interaction in the, in the office practice. So that's, again, just, and nothing that complicated. It's almost things that in other areas and in other industries is just commonplace. <laughs> 
And that's a great point about other industries. Are there other industries that inspire you when you think about how healthcare could your could run more automatic or you could have the right people doing the right work and really revise workflows? Are there other industries that really inspire you? I'm inspired every time I pick up my smartphone and look at like the, I don't know, the top 10 apps that I'm using thing in travel in shopping. <laughs> Why do I count on some of these apps to do my day-to-day things like grocery shopping and picking up a taxi or just basic banking? I'd rather deal with my banking app than I would deal with the teller, right? It's just so much easier. And I have so much more confidence in the process, right? It just self-service. That inspires me. I think that's what people want. And I'm, I'm not saying we always say, oh, that's not what older people want. I, I have parents that are looking forward to doing that on the phone in much more confidence than they were ever before. And they never laid their hands on that keyboard in front of a computer. And I think that's really inspirational in the sense that is doing more, much later in a much smarter way, in a way that our consumers want these days. So that's, that's very easy to find many other ways where we can improve upon what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. What's challenging about that? To cre- What kind of barriers come up when you're implementing or considering those types of processes? What kind of barriers pop up that you have to address? I think one of the major barriers that's overcome for us for innovation is that healthcare systems as they exist today have been uh, a large sort of end product of a lot of mergers and acquisitions, right? Uh, we have multiple platforms. We have multiple EDHRs. We have multiple revenue cycle systems. I, I remember at Northwell Health, we sat down and say, hey, we're going to do the digital front door. Well, how do I, one of the things we want to do is self-schedule. How many how many ways do patients schedule in this health system? Oh, maybe 20 different ways. Do we present that to the patients? If you are a patient of this and that, you go to this button and this and that, you go to that button. Or even simply like, even simply, hey, we're going to have them pay our bills. How many different ways to pay your bills? And it just goes to that point of, we have to fix this foundational thing before we actually build the front end of really what we're developing to the consumers. So it's not that we don't want to have patients do all these things easily online, but the and in the end of the day, we still have to say, fix the foundational things like, why are all our doctors scheduling their appointments on the same schedule or on the same platform? How come I can't really get a list of all our providers in the region in a single platform. And, and I think we do it in pockets, but I think we need to, again, expand upon that. So that's a big sort of hindrance of that in the sense. And then it comes back to the fact that it takes a large investment to do these things right and do the create these foundational things that our consumers, our doctors, our healthcare workers do not see at the surface, right? I think it is also the IT infrastructure because of lack of innovation. Sometimes they would say, why can't my EHR work like my smartphone or my or whatever new technology? It's like, I don't have the same budget. The EHR companies don't have the same budgets to develop their user interfaces that some of these technology companies have. And I think that's something to put in, in context is that we would love to innovate. We'd love to move as fast as uh, some of the sort of other industries. But I think you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we only have a slim 1% margins on 35 billion and a couple percent margins on tens of billions of dollars doesn't really hold very well when you also have to maintain buildings and infrastructure and air conditioners and elevators and other things and defunct radiology machines or whatever the case may be. These things are expensive. And I think we have to make those investments in order to get to the next level. And that's why you see smaller health systems sometimes easier to more nimble to innovate or push things across the line. But on the spirit health, I think 
we're gonna we're gonna be there. We're gonna get there. Just give it a little time. We're, we are getting to a spot where we'll we'll do this a little bit more nimbly. Yeah, that's the nature of the challenge of disparate organizations coming together and then achieving innovation at scale. That makes a lot of sense. Stuart, I'll pass back to you. Uh, you know, we've got a range, a wide range of listeners, Dr. Chalico, on the podcast, and I know some of them are coming at this from an outside perspective in from the tech startup or the small company space, really trying to make an impact, but it's very difficult from the outside in, obviously. So any advice that you typically give? I know you talk to a lot of startups, you talk to a lot of tech companies. Any advice you can give them in terms of how to make their solutions more adaptable to a large organization? Yeah. I often, I often tell healthcare startups and other things, put yourself in the healthcare the provider's shoes, the, you know, the administrator's shoes, right? Understand that perspective, understand why, how they come to it and this, the skepticism to it. I'm a tech guy at heart. I'll always be excited at any sort of tech innovation. And oftentimes I'll tell folks, I'm like, hey, I'm excited. I'd love to do this. Help me sell this to the 10 other people I need to sell this to in my organization. And I think right. that's the crux of it is that you do have many masters and you do have many people that are trying to do the right thing for the organization, all well-intentioned, right? But the pitfalls of understanding an IT security breach um, that could shut down our healthcare organization, uh, a breach that could cost us tens of millions of dollars. And not only that, the impact to our patients that we serve, right? Ultimately, the legal implications of understanding where our data goes and how our data goes and what it gets done with it. All of those things have major implications in understanding that. And the nuances to, again, training a workforce of 150,000 people to change the way you're doing things. It's not easily to change on a dime. And we always try to say we're not like a little speedboat. We're more like an aircraft carrier. But I feel like we're more like a continent in concert and all fit. But the, the reality is that I think that you have to understand it from that perspective. And I think we are trying. I think is oftentimes technology partners come in and be very excited about fixing one little point solution. <laughs> Right. We are looking for, we're oftentimes looking for enterprise solutions. Like we don't want to work with, currently we have, I don't know, something like 2000 bolt-on vendors to our DHR environments or our revenue cycle environments. We'd like to work with less and do more with more with them, then have a million different point interactions. And I think that's the other thing is like, hey, I'm, I have this wonderful solution to solve this one little thing about your one little you know, piece of the pop, your patient population in one market. <laughs> And, and I think you have to understand that more on a global level. And, and that's where I think sometimes healthcare innovators outside of healthcare don't understand or people coming from other industries don't understand. We've seen this on and on with companies with lots of deep pockets. So your Microsofts, your Googles, your Amazons of the world. It's, they have a rough time at it. It's harder than it looks on the surface, right? Yes. It is funny. I had someone a few weeks ago, I expressed frustration. They're like, hey, my watch told me that my heart rate spiked when I was shoveling snow, but yeah. my doctor didn't call that my prescription hadn't, like I hadn't gotten a prescription refilled. That's not that easy, <laughs> right? There's a lot of reasons for that. And some of those are protection of your data. But I, I do think that there's a lot of ways that we can unlock a lot of value from these new innovative technologies. But I think data is important. Infrastructure is important. And as you said, scale of process is obviously a, a really big challenge. Um, yeah. Anything specifically you'd like to highlight in terms of things that you all are tackling at Common Spirit over the next 12 to 18 months? What's your biggest idea or your biggest opportunity, you think? I think our biggest opportunity, like I said earlier, is to try to do things a lot more virtually with our patients. A lot of the things that we are dealing with stat shortages everywhere in healthcare, it's front desk staff, front line staff, physicians, nurses, all the above. 
we need to do, again, the theme may really is to do more with less people. And I think the fact of the matter is that you don't need an army of people to do some of the things that you need to do. So a lot of the things we set out a year ago and we've accomplished it is that everyone should have a virtualized visit. All that interaction that you do prior to you, you walk into a doctor's office where they collect your information, sign your consents, collect your co-pays, forms, and other things can all be done prior to you getting to the, to the office. And can most of it can be done on your smartphone. Right. And we're trying to sort of get that so that we can actually do that virtualized care all prior to the patient actually coming to the office. And oftentimes we've got the process to a point where even if you're in the office, they'll rather you go do it on the phone and waiting <laughs> because it's such a cleaner process, right? Um, yeah. I really, copay and other things is just more facile to using the technology. And I think that's one thing that we've pushed and pushed ahead. And now doing that, I'd have to, I have, I do have to do it. And currently in, in about six different EHR environments, <laughs> and I think that's a nuance, different vendors, different products and things like that. And, and I yeah. think as we get smaller and smaller number of products that we deal with on a day-to-day basis from that perspective, that makes that a lot easier. I think we're also saying, hey, we're not going to be on a single platform tomorrow. We're not going to be able to do this. So we have different ways by which we accomplish this in different places, right? So in some parts of the organization where we have, and I'll I'll let the EHR company's uh, names to be obscured, we have to use a third party to actually do that virtualized visit. In some other places, we can do it with the core technology and we will, and we have. And I think that's the patient portal that has the ability to do all that stuff, has the integrations to do grab cycle and other things that you're trying to do to that. We are also looking in a high towards robotic process automation. Our clinical standards group has really made it a, a point to really improve cancer screening throughout the organization. I think it's the right thing to do for our patients. It's the right thing to do for our even downstream revenue as we get more patients to get their colonoscopies and get their low-dose CTs for lung cancer screening or maybe even get their mammograms and things like that. It's a good thing for the patients and it's and getting patients into sort of our system to really have the proper workup if things should come positive or whatever. If you're doing that, doing that in multiple different environments, using robotic process automation is really taking us to another level. And, and that's something that I look forward to. We have a, a couple bright spots where we piloted, not just piloted, but listened into full operations. We've taken that to two or three regions. So now we're trying to say, how do we do this to scale? And we are. And I think the ability to use that technology that almost writes fit to almost any platform, I think is where we're pushing this and working with a number of ongoing solutions, vendor-based solutions or whatever, but the technology for someone to put hands on keyboard where we would need maybe hundreds or thousands of people to do, to go through a chart and put an order in for a cancer screening on a day-to-day basis can now be done like in the middle of the night, we can tee up things for the providers and the care team. And I think that's it's really amazing how we, again, just think a little bit differently. And again, nothing drastically from a technology perspective, amazing, but at the same time, major impacts of that healthcare we deliver. That's really interesting. And I'm hearing the words automation and really making that happen. It'll result in a better patient experience like through their lifetime. So as a wrap up, what key phrase really describes the vision of what you're creating at Common Spirit? Ah, good question. The the one I always dwell on always is just to be humble. (laughs) Understand where the organization has been. Understand why the organization is in in the where it is. I think it's to understand that you're coming into an organization, not having all the answers, but working together with that part of the organization to actually get to a better spot. 
And I think that is probably something I can probably share with any of my colleagues, but any of my folks that I uh, advise or, or work with in, in healthcare startups and other things is they just be humbled at, at understanding where, why things are the way they are and, and why things are so different. And have a little patience in, in, in really understanding that. And then, then you'll get yourself the better, deeper conversation of how to get your technology and will be implemented in your organization. Thank you for sharing that. And as a healthcare industry, we need more innovators like you who are challenging the way healthcare operates and putting the patient at the center and identifying ways that the patient experience can be better. So thank you for that. And thank you for joining us today, Dr. Tillico. I was honored to be here. Thank you. I yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to another enlightening episode of The Spark. We trust our discussions have sparked new and fresh perspectives on healthcare innovation and encouraged you to find ways to reinvent the healthcare experience. Don't forget to explore the detailed show notes for this episode, share the insights with fellow innovators, and email us at thespark at avenirhealth.com to share your thoughts, comments, or reactions. Your engagement fuels the flame of innovation, and we look forward to continuing this transformative dialogue with you. Until next time, keep the spark alive.